Thank you, Lord. It's good to be in the house of God. It's good to be together. I've been saying that a lot recently, and I'm just, you know, we've been together now for some time, good amount of time, and uh, it's just an amazing thing to come together. I love the responsibility of and the accountability of being together. It's like, um, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, but it's like all of a sudden when you're a spouse, suddenly you have to care about somebody other than yourself or a parent. There's something that happens in you. A 12-year-old girl who unfortunately gets pregnant, it happens. But there's something that happens when that young girl, way before her time, has to care for somebody else. There's something that happens in that person at a very rapid pace. Even though it shouldn't have happened and it was before its time, there's a responsibility that so quickly, it's, it's like ingrained in your DNA that when you have to think about somebody other than yourself, there's a responsibility that grows in you. And it's an amazing thing. It's not just as a pastor to the people, but together, an accountability of thinking about each other. Who else goes home and you think about stuff you've talked about with your fellow believers? You kind of carry them. They're not burdens that need to weigh you down in a way that you can't function, can't go through life, but there's a healthy burden that causes you to think about each other and to pray for each other. It's an amazing thing to be a body and to be believers together. That's the way that God designed it. It's never meant to be a solo project. It's always meant to be all together, one, unity. And what it does is when you have to care for somebody else and think about somebody else, there's this amazing thing that begins to happen. You don't have to try to mature yourself. God just supernaturally does it in you. Your nature just starts changing when you have to think about other people. Last week we talked, uh, I, I went to Philippians 3. I felt like the Lord was leading us here in this month. And I started here talking, Paul's talking in Philippians and uh, about how in chapter 3 that he had been the most religious person You could imagine he had done it all. He was so good at religion. He says, I'm I'm not going to boast, but I'm going to boast. That's not where he says it. He says that somewhere else, but it's basically those are Paul's words. Man, if I'm going to talk about religion, if I'm going to talk about doing it, doing going through the motions and doing things right, man, I've done it. I've been there, done that, and I was so good at it. But he says in, in Philippians 3 that, But then he discovered something. When he found Jesus, when he found that he could know God face to face, that he could know him intimately, one on one, that there was a relationship to be found in Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Philippians 3 that once Paul found that, he cast aside everything else. He calls it refuse, sewage, garbage, That nothing that he could do in his flesh, nothing he could ever try to accomplish in himself meant anything. And then he takes us into into mid-chapter 
And he says in verse 12, I don't mean, you know, I haven't achieved these things. I haven't reached perfection yet. But I'm pressing on to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. He says, I, I thought I had it figured out. There was a way I thought. There was a way I did things. And then I realized it doesn't mean anything. The only thing that matters is knowing Jesus. And as much as I know him, I use this example a lot, but like Dawn and I, as much as a spouse could know their spouse, you're learning new things every single day about each other. And it's a constant progression. As much as he knows Jesus and as much as Jesus has done something in him, the fullness of it is never really completed in an earthly way. It's never finished here. It's never until he says later in the chapter until we are resurrected with him, then perfection, it fully comes. Our eyes are fully opened. Revelation that was partial here on earth is now fully available to us. But because it's something that I don't fully have yet, but I'm, it's something available for me, I'm reaching, I'm pressing, I'm moving forward. And he goes on in verse 13. He says, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. In verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race. I just did another mud race yesterday. My ankle's a little funky today, so I'm going to not be jumping around like normal. Maybe that's good for some of you trying to follow me. And I know what the end of the race is like, and I know what pressing on is. It poured from before we even pulled in the parking lot. It was pouring rain, and it rained the whole six miles, up and down, muddy, muddy, super steep, your hands and knees, some people literally falling on their back, right down to their head. I mean, laying down flat, sliding down muddy mountains. It was really funny to see pushing through streams and over obstacles. And man, towards the mile, actually we heard it was a mile and a half left. And um, we didn't, we didn't, um, and we just thought, let's have some fun with these obstacles. Some of the people I went with are like me and were a little bit wild. So instead of just trying to complete the whole race as fast as we can, if we like an obstacle, let's do it a few times. And we kind of hung out and we were with, couple of slower people anyway, so we just kind of decided to hang. But it had been two and change hours now, still non, we're not, never standing still, nonstop. And at that point, I heard it was a mile and a half left, and I felt really tired. And there was something in me, though, that it didn't feel good to walk. Even if I had to wait at the obstacle for the couple of slower people were with, I just, there's something in me that just wanted to press on. There's just something that there's, a, there's an end that I haven't gotten to yet. Until I cross that finish line, it might be uncomfortable, but it hasn't happened yet. And there's, there's this drive in you that says, it's not going to finish itself. Something I started here, I committed to, I need to finish. 
and we, you, the only way you do it is you have to press on. And your nature, your flesh says, I want to quit. Your human nature says as soon as trial comes into our life as Christians, as soon as things come against us, we just, we want to give up. Or even, and I was praying this a little bit, what about when good things come and just distract us? What about a distraction in the race? And forgetting that, hey, like all of a sudden the sun comes out, the rain stops, friend comes along and says, hey, do you want to go get a bite to eat? And I just forget, hey, I'm in a race. I started this thing. I didn't cross the finish line yet. Good things can stop you too, but there's a pressing on. There's a heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And he goes on, he says this in verse 15, and this is where it's just a review from last week, and I want to bring us right into this. This is where we left off. He's trying to get us somewhere. There's a progression in following Christ. I learned that I can't do it in myself. I could go through the motions, but that didn't do it. I learned it's only in Christ, but that didn't cause me to not do. It's caused me because of what he did. He said, I'm pressing on for the perfection of what Christ possessed me for. What he realized is, is there is something in following Christ that causes you to want to fulfill the plan and the purpose he put in you. It's not something that you can try to achieve on your own and you can't try to work that up. But when you fully know Christ, something in you causes, there's a reaction. It's just meditating beforehand. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, you hear me mention it many times, if you listen to me, is John chapter 15. The fullness of knowing Christ is not producing fruit. It's actually not doing anything. The fullness of knowing Christ is knowing Christ. The fullness of John chapter 15, he says, I in you and you in me. I know Christ and Christ knows me and we are one. That's the complete package. That's it. It's finished. That's the gospel. But John 15 says that something happens from that connection with God. You put a seed in the ground, an apple seed in the ground, you don't try to grow apples. The seed does its job. The seed already contains. You put Christ in you. You become one with him when it's true, when it's real, and there's a natural fruit that will sprout. If, here's the condition, you can throw, Jesus warned us, don't throw the seed in any ground. The seed has to be put in good soil. Soil that says, right? I mean, who has said yes to Jesus more than once in your life and you didn't mean it? Many, many have said yes to him, but never really planted him. When you truly plant, you don't have to try to get it to grow, but you have to truly accept it, truly put it down there. And what happens is when you truly plant it, something supernatural starts to happen which will produce fruit all on its own. 
the only thing you need to do is make sure that that seed, Jesus Christ, stays put. Because the Bible says the devil will come to steal the seed. And there's different things that happen. There's different reasons the seed got stolen. It doesn't really matter what. He uses a different strategy in all of us. But it's just like my analogy of the race. You could not want to go on because it's hard, or you could just be distracted by something good. He says that the seed that the devil steals, sometimes it's the hard things, and sometimes it's the cares of this life, it's the riches of this life that, steals, that chokes away the seed. He's trying to get the seed of Jesus Christ out of you, but you're not actually producing anything. You're just keeping that seed there and keeping the seed watered. We just spent a month on that by the word, the watering of the word. You're focusing on one thing, knowing Jesus. And when we know him, when we keep him there, we don't let the devil steal him from us. Then a fruit occurs. And he says something here. He's getting to a point. Let all who are spiritually mature. King James Version says, let all who are perfect. The word here, the Greek word that we use to say mature or perfect, the reason that you have the King James saying perfect and the NLT saying mature is because what the word actually means here is the fullness, the completeness. Really, the, the, the definition says a child becoming an adult. A child growing, becoming a mature adult. Complete. You've come to a completion. And he says, let all who are spiritually mature, the perfect man, those who let perfection, let God work in them, agree on these things. What things? The things that we just spent last week and just reviewed on. What are the things we should agree on? That it's about knowing Jesus. It's about living for him. That's it. That all the other junk in our lives don't mean anything. But he says, he points this. I'm making a point here. Let all who are spiritually mature. Not everyone is spiritually mature. And I can prove it by the text itself. I don't have to read between the lines. He says, because if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Paul says the pressing on, the moving forward, the the going, the growing, the changing, the completion, the perfection, the maturity in you is what it's all about. You are constantly getting more and more to know Jesus. The natural thing that's going to come out of you is life. You don't have to, we've said this before, you don't have to try to love. You don't have to try to do the right things any longer because something mature has changed in you. And I was thinking, because Paul's saying, he says in verse 16, he says, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. In other texts, it says, the place where you're at, the place you've come to, you can't lose that ground. What is he saying? He says, if you're mature, we already agree. 
You already, if those, I'm talking to a couple of groups of people here. If you're mature, we agree on these things. But if not, God's going to reveal it to you. But why is he going to reveal it to you? Because he just spent time telling us that the shedding of ourselves, the shedding of, our, of, of us, and the pressing on, the moving forward towards Christ will bring this in our lives naturally. When we decide that I want Jesus, and I, that's it, I just want to know him, then the natural progression, just like a child doesn't try to become an adult, and many adults never left being a child. Now, I, on the, behind closed doors, I'm a very goofy person, believe it or not. I'm a very silly person. I love playing with the kids, love jokes, practical jokes, love being funny, love humor. But that doesn't distract me from the serious things in life. I don't think like that, though, about taking care of my family. It's not a joke. In fact, my workers have made fun of me for years that I had this line, okay, let's get serious. And it's a line now that will never leave me. You know, guys that have, don't, haven't worked with me for years will still say it, joking about me. Because we joke and we fool around, but it's okay, it's time to work now. But there's a maturity that comes in your life. There's a maturity that comes naturally from the progression of being a child to now becoming an adult. And that child, though, has to do what to become an adult? You don't have to try to, you don't have to, try to get older. Did you notice that? That happens all on its own. Too easily, way too easily that happens. But to mature takes a lot of work. To mature, to start thinking differently, you really have to make a choice inside you that you're not going to think the way you did before. And he says, the way we do this is, if you're not mature yet, you got to hold on to what you know now. Just like the analogy he said, we're pressing on, we're moving forward. If you don't, this is what happens. If a child goes to school until middle school and then drops out, high school knowledge doesn't come naturally. Their age will be the same. They will both be 18 and they will have a lack of high school understanding because they never pressed on. They never continued. They never move forward. And Paul talks about our Christian walk being a maturing process. He never condemns those that aren't mature. He says, let all that are mature, hey, you know, I'm talking, you know, even in this room, some of you know the fullness of what I'm talking about more than what I'm talking about. And some don't. He doesn't condemn you, but he says, listen, wherever you're at, whatever you've got now, the key is that you hold on to the progress. And then he says in verse 17, he says, pattern your lives after mine. Well, what's the pattern? He just told us a couple of verses earlier. I press on. 
I move forward. Whatever you've got so far, whatever revelation God's put in you to this point, you have to do. I'm not worried that you know less than me and you are your relationship's not at the same place it is mine with God's. That's not the issue. The thing that I need in you to, to get the thing that Jesus is looking for you is that something that says, but I want to know him more. I want something to happen in me. I do want the fruit. I can't make as much as you'd stare at an apple tree and as much as you could wish for an apple tree. You'd have to, you've got to water that seed and cultivate, make sure that that ground is good and maybe sometimes get some, I've had to put some fertilizer in my garden. You got to take care of that seed. You got to, you got to be, you got to, it's a, it's a constant taking care of what God planted inside you. And when you do, then a natural maturity, all of a sudden, some people think they're mature. Like this, this is the thing for me. Like I said, I'm a silly guy. It's really funny when their maturity is also their personality. Like you can be mature and it doesn't need to be your personality. When people just need to take a chill pill and relax a little. They've just gotten too wise and too smart. It's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about becoming wise because he says knowledge puffs up. Not talking about stuff in your head. But there's something that happens in you. Well, now when you are a child, we use this example a lot. That's mine. I take what's mine. I do what I feel like. I push down who pushes me. That's what a child does. And hopefully, so that the adult keeps themselves out of prison, they have learned to suppress those childlike nature, the childlike nature in them. This talks about maturity. I don't want to keep dragging on this. Let's keep moving. He says... Many, many times in his books, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. And just to breeze through just a few things, I just want to look at just a few things today. It says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11, he closes the chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. He wrote them this book, and this is what he felt like was the thing to close the whole letter with. I'm going to sum up. I'm going to sum all these chapters up into this one thing. This is what I want in you. If I could get you to think about this, he says, grow to maturity. With growing to maturity comes something else hand in hand encouraging each other, living in harmony and peace. And then the God of love and peace will be with you. He closes the letter encouraging the people of God to grow to maturity. He is looking, God is looking for people he loves you right where you're at. Just like when you bring a baby into the world, do you love them any less as a baby than you do as an adult? There's no lack of love for you as a baby in Christ. In fact, there's possibly even just a little more love. It's not fair, right? But it seems like that even in Christianity, doesn't it? The new believer gets all the attention. 
just like a little baby. Then you get mature and it's like, mom and dad don't care about me anymore. They don't love you any less. It's just a lot more attention for a little baby. His love is not conditional on your maturity. It starts right where you're at. But if a parent has a baby that just decides to loof around, parents, do we have teenagers in the house? If a parent has a child that decides, I just don't feel like moving on with life, there's a lot of movies and books and stories about that, isn't there? Failing to move on. Parents then start getting anxious to get that kid moving with life. That's just, it's natural. It's the progression of being human. And our Christianity is no different. There's a natural progression in being a believer that we're babies that then become adults. It's natural. And if you fight that process and don't want to grow and don't want to move on, you're fighting the very nature in which, as Paul says, that's why he said it, I'm pressing onto a perfection that I was called to, that I was made for. And to be honest, as soon as you stop maturing, what happens? As soon as you stop I don't want to use learning because it's kind of, it's, we're splitting hairs here. We're not just learning about God. We're knowing God. But let's just for a moment use the analogy of learning. When you stop learning, that's it. It doesn't, you, you can get some street smarts and you can learn some things. But academically, most of those things that you just had to go through the process of learning don't come unless you went through the process of learning them. It'll be much harder for you in life. Really, you just hurt yourself, don't you? And that's what the Bible says. He said, I'm close. I'm going to just, if I could get you to get one thing, grow to maturity. I want you to love each other. I want you to live in peace. And I want God's peace to be with you. But that's all going to be wrapped into your maturity as a believer. Because what happens? We already started talking about as a child, when we're babies, we are selfish. You don't have to teach a baby to do that, to be selfish. Envious. Why does he have that and I don't? You don't have to teach them that. That's just natural instincts. But those things are supposed to. God wants his people to grow. God is looking for maturity in his, believer, in, in his people. And those things are not supposed to be in you at 75, 85. 90 years old, you are still selfish and envious and striving against one another. Who cares how old you are? That's irrelevant. You never let the maturing process of knowing God happen. You got to come to a place of maturity as a believer. That's what God wants from us. It's not a trying thing. It's not a striving thing. It's a very slow process, actually. One day you look at your child, we've, looked at, we've talked about this example, and they're a year older. One day you've come through, you know, even as an adult, you've gone back and you've done some extra learning. You want to go do a different career midway through your life, and you think, my gosh, I thought I was done with this, and now I've got two more years to become a nurse. And, but before you know it, even as slow as every day was, man, some of those days were real long. But then you come out the other side and you've become somebody that you weren't. 
And you have to go through that process. You have to let God develop you day by day. Let the maturity happen. If we don't, if you don't let it happen, this is the thing. You will just be an older baby. It's a wild thing to talk about as Christians. As Christians, age is irrelevant. This is a weird concept because in society, we have a, a respect from eldership down to children. The weird thing in Christianity is that none of those, they tell us right in the scriptures, don't get rid of those things. You're not going to bypass the natural order that you respect an elder. That doesn't go away. But in Christianity, you can have a 65-year-old baby and a 25-year-old mature Christian because they let the process happen in them. They let God do something. And in fact, some more scriptures to back this up. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, this is talking about the purpose of the church. In Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists and pastors and teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The whole purpose of the church, the whole purpose of my job and others like me is to build up His body, to cause a growth. Just like a parent, the purpose of a parent, God put a baby in your responsibility. There's a lot of parents that weren't responsible, and you can see the result of that. That. The purpose of the parent is to raise the child to become a man or woman one day, and that's the same purpose as those that God has put over the church. And the point is in verse 13 is that this will continue. This continues forever and ever. This never stops. It'll be new people, but this continues. This is God's way. This is what God does, and it happens until we all, everybody say, we all. We haven't arrived yet, just so you know. Paul said it. I'm saying it. We all, I mean, we're all in this together. There's a, there is a maturity that is never ending. It's always, we are always growing. We are always learning new things about God, not to have knowledge and say, I know about God, but then you start looking naturally. I say this a lot. I can't help it. It's one of my lines that you start looking at things differently. When you let him change you, you just can't help but think differently and see differently. And the purpose is to come to a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature. The purpose is to bring about a maturity, to create a man, to create a woman of the body of Christ, not a child. And unfortunately... Because I represent the church, so all of us do. When we're out there in the world, we're representing other believers. I just talked to some people recently that left the church because my fellow believers were still acting like babies. Mine. Selfish, envious, lying, stealing, doing things that babies do without letting the maturing process, it's not instantaneous, it's not overnight, but without letting that maturing process happen in them, they were still babies and unfortunately caused others to not want anything to do with Christianity because they just said, what's the difference between, and not just that, between you and I, but you seem like you're almost worse than I am. <laughs> Sometimes 
The world, does, it doesn't really matter. They're both in the same boat. And let's just leave that at that. And we're measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, or in other words, we're coming to, it says, the full stature. Jesus Christ is the man. He's the completeness, the son of man, the fullness of God. The, as manly as you can get. It's not about grunting and fixing cars. I mean, there's a manliness in our era, right, that we could say, okay, that's kind of manly. But the manliest you could be, Jesus Christ, who was willing to do the manliest thing you could do and say, I'll lay down my life for this world. That's the fullness and the completeness and the maturity. But listen, if the, if the completeness, if the fullness of his love, if the maturity of Jesus Christ was that I will lay down my life, then what is the maturity that he's looking for in believers? It's the same maturity that was in Jesus Christ that he's looking for in us. Laying down of your life for one another. Mine, self, my life, me, mine. That's what we do. It's we're, we're babies. We're children. But when we start saying, how can I help you? What can I do for you? How can I lay down my life for the church and for each other? I say the church is, unfortunately, that has a stereotype. I don't mean for this building and for us, okay? But for each other, we are the church and all, and we're just one facet of it. What can I do? How can I lay down me to help his body? And we start doing that. As I started the sermon, even a 12-year-old girl can't help but start maturing. When you start looking to others, you start looking to help other people, you start looking outside of yourself and your issues, we can't help it. We're always looking in. This is my problem. This is what I've been through. And when we start letting us go, don't you think Jesus had been through a few things? I think Jesus had enough things that he could have been like, God, I got enough to deal with myself. The whole world hates me. They want to kill me. I don't have time to help the world. I don't have time to do stuff with disciples. God, I got stuff in me that we got to fix. Something's not right. My life's a mess. If you were to look at his life through our natural human eyes. But the very mess that his life was in by our human eyes was the exact mess that God wanted him in because it caused him to not think about himself, to say, yeah, the world hates me. That's my purpose. Yeah, they want to kill me. Well, you know what? Let them kill me because I'm not going to lay down the purpose that God's put in me and it's going to cause something to happen in the universe that the devil couldn't even figure out for the rest of the world for the rest of time. So meanwhile, while the devil's picking on our lives and causing us to look inward and get all about ourselves and we become like little babies. Me and mine, we start crying, God, oh God, me. We do it. We're, I'm, I'm talking to myself here, but we do it. We become, we start looking inward and it becomes just like a child. We just start thinking about our little circle and our little world, but there's a huge world of stuff going on around us. There's always, there's always somebody that has an issue that hurts just a little bit more. They were abused just a little bit more. Always. 
You don't even have to look too far in society today to find that person. Maturity starts coming naturally when we let the fullness, the completeness, the standard of Christ work in us. Then a maturity is not something you're not trying to become mature. Because if that's your goal, you're just trying to get knowledge and get puffed up. And you know those people, both in Christianity and in the world. Your goal is to let this maturity in you that's an adult. You can find somebody, man, the guy's a farmer. The world has no respect for him as a person in the business world, in the maturity world, in the scientific world. But the guy will do anything he can to take care of his family. The guy realized that even though he was abused as a child, even though that farmer was beat by his dad, now he could do the same thing and say, forget you kids. Now he is doing everything he can to take care of those children. Maturity is not something, it's not going to be something that you can look at from the natural. It's something in you that says, not me, not mine, but what can I, how, what can I give? How can I be something for somebody? It's just something that starts happening, and it happens when, like I said, you're watering what seed? The seed of Jesus Christ. If he was all about us, and all about people, and all about real love, I don't, I want to get into that. I'll get into that another week. Real love, not this word love. Oh, we just need to love everybody. Real love that said the hard thing sometimes, but also then died for them whether they believed it or not. So, I mean, it's not like he, he was putting something on somebody and said, fine, forget you. No, he said, I'm going to die for you anyway, even though you don't believe me, but I hope one day you do decide to believe me. Real love. When that starts getting watered in us and you start looking to others, you start looking to the, at this world not fulfilling self. Now think about this. If that's the spirit of God and the spirit of Satan is over the world, just step back and look for a minute and go, wow, I can see his spirit operating. It's very obvious. It's me, myself, and I. It's self self-fulfillment, self-happiness. People don't feel comfortable in a marriage, so they just give up. But, that's, but in Christ, that's the spirit of Satan, that's the spirit of the world, self. The spirit of Christ is selfless. I just heard a very sad statistic on the radio the other day. The divorce rate in the world today is equal with the divorce rate in the church. The same. The same. So the same selfishness in humanity hasn't, which is born into you. You are born as a baby being selfish. Man, just a few, I mean, as soon as they can crawl around, as soon as they can use that hand to grab something, they're going to take and they're going to hold. You don't have to teach a baby that. But you grow into a man or woman that says, I am need to share what I have because I've realized that it's not mine anyway. Just a few things before I close. 
It says that we will no longer, in verse 14, when we let this happen, we will no longer be immature like children. Once we let God, once we let Christ do something in us, once we let him work in us, once we get the spirit of Christ, which is not my will, your will be done, I'm going to lay my life down for my friends and well, for the rest of the world. But he told his disciples, you're my friends and I'm, that's the greatest love, but I'm going to do it for all. Once you get that, you will no longer be immature like children. We won't be, this is a child. This is what a child is. We're just tossed about by everything you tell them they believe. Everything the child gets told, and it's like, well, this is what we think now, and this is what we think now. Well, that's what we think, and we've revised it. Now it's 1985, and we learned that the 50s were off, and now it's 2005. We learned the 85s were off. We're always, the church is just whatever, all these doctrines all over the place. But meanwhile, the outside world's not seeing any, there's no maturity ever growing by all of that. That's just stuff. That's just knowledge. That's just things. What about the maturity of the church being like Jesus Christ? What about that knowledge that Paul's talking about? Not knowing about God, but when you truly know him, what about that? We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth, and we've seen that. I don't have time to get into that today. Just very quickly, you don't even have to pull them up, Mariah. Hebrews 6, it says in verse 1, let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature. Tells us again, another book. There is a maturity that God's looking for in his people because it's not so you can feel good about yourself being smart and being mature. It's because if we stay babies, we are very easily influenced. We are very easily irritated. I wish I had time to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Go home and read that on your own. I'm going to preach about that next week. 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't let God's true love, His changing love work in you, Every time anybody does or says anything to us as believers, we're going to react like we did before. That's what Paul says in that whole chapter of Philippians. It was the way I used to. I used to. I used to think this. This is the way I did it. I don't anymore. I've changed. Something happened to me. I'm no longer that old man. I've grown up. And he was looking at a church and churches go through the books you'll see many times he's dealing with the lack of growing and then what happens is is we just start acting like when we did as babies we get selfish we get envious lie to get our own needs it's just not we don't have to try to get that to happen but you have to try you have to make a purpose that I don't want to think about me I don't want my desires first anymore and as soon as you do that like Christ maturity just starts growing naturally in you amen let's pray lord we thank you
praise you, Lord, that you are leading us in this church. I thank you, Lord, that you have called us in this church for a purpose. Lord, that it's to know you firstly. And once we know you, Lord, then a fruit starts growing. Lord, we're seeing it grow from this church. We're seeing it grow from the people here, Lord. Seeing fruit grow on their lives. And then it's not, that fruit's not for us, Lord. We're seeing others. Thank you, Lord, that we're seeing others pick their fruit and come in and say, I want what's coming out of your life. Thank you, Lord, that this is just how you work. This is what you're looking for. Getting us to grow. Getting us to become full and complete and mature so that the fruit that's coming from us is the same pure, holy life that's in you. And we can give it to this world. And when they eat of it, thank you, Lord, it gives them the life that was in the very seed you planted in us. We pray for this entire body, Lord, whether they're here today or not. We pray for this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.